Welcome back to Voice of Center Center Podcast. My name is Darius Johnson. We are here with Mariah Manzano. She is recently a Santa Clara alum, class of 2020. How are you doing today? And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, we're very excited to have you here to kick off our entrepreneurship series. We're going to be talking to various entrepreneurs that have been bred, if you will, from Santa Clara University and grown and been fostered in that community and can definitely share some awesome tips and ideas to give back to the Santa Clara students on how they may also can maybe pursue entrepreneurship. Um, so just to get things kicked off for those who may not know you, as you briefly just walk us through a little bit more about you growing up and also maybe where I would say you first had that entrepreneurial niche or you kind of first uh, sought out to you know be a self-starter. Sure. Sounds good. So I actually grew up in the South Bay, uh, pretty close to SCU, actually. I haven't really been away from the South Bay longer than six months or so. So I've always been in the Bay Area. And I grew up trying and loving many things. I think that's important to note for, for entrepreneurs because I sort of view them as generalists who are interested in a lot of things. Um, and it's funny that you asked about my entrepreneurship journey growing up because I studied engineering at SCU. And a lot of people would ask me, like, how did you know you want to be an engineer? And I don't have a typical engineering story, which is, oh, I started coding, you know, the moment I could speak or I would take things apart and put them back together all the time. I don't, I don't have that story, but I would say that I do have some entrepreneurial experiences as a, as a kid. So this includes things like lemonade stands and bake sales. And I actually used to sell custom paintings for my friends, like just for fun. That was to mesh sort of uh, my love for art. And my mom was an entrepreneur. She actually still is, she has her own business. So connecting skills like art and ideas to a business model was, and actually still to this day is a pretty common conversation in my, my family dinners. So I would say the door to entrepreneurship was, was opened from a young age for me. Yeah, definitely. I think it's also pretty cool you mentioned your mom herself was also an entrepreneur. So growing up in a household like that, maybe how do you think that have helped you foster maybe the spirit for entrepreneurship, just seeing your mom um, being one herself? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do think that played a huge role. To be honest, I don't know how much I necessarily learned about building a business or starting a business from her. Um, I was so young when she started it that I didn't hear much about the business plan and, and hiring first employees and things like that. However, as a kid, I did note very clearly that my mom could always show up to things, whether it was like tennis matches or basketball games or a, a spelling bee competition. <laughs> if it was midday and happening, like whenever she she could make it there. So as a kid, I did note she was on her own time. She sort of like made the rules and uh, she she made the big decisions. And I think that that was really cool to see. No, definitely. It definitely makes sense. Again, just being in that environment and being around someone like that, I'm sure, was very helpful for you. So help us here. Fast forward now. So now you're at Santa Clara, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Um, how do you think your entrepreneurship developed throughout school at Santa Clara? So, for example, taking those experiences when you were younger, how do you think you've built upon them during your four years at Santa Clara? Yes, that's a that's a great question, because... I guess a disclaimer is I did not come into Santa Clara thinking I would leave an entrepreneur. Um, 
I, I didn't know what I was coming in as and what I would leave as. So just very open-minded, which I think just helps for any student. But before I discuss very distinct entrepreneurship-related experiences at SU, I do want to highlight that I was on several different officer board teams. And whether or not club officers or people who do programs like, like this, um, whether or not they know it, they, they are entrepreneurs. They have a target market. They need a go-to-market strategy, partnerships, and in some cases, pricing strategies and actual customers. So it's, I think that officers, in order to have this mindset of like how to keep the club alive and keep it a success, they have to be entrepreneurs. So I learned a lot about entrepreneurship through, through that without even knowing that I was, you know, forming that entrepreneurial mindset. It was happening. Um, in terms of my more distinct entrepreneurship experiences at SU, I actually, I actually got a bunch, luckily, and not everyone knows that they exist even to this day. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to highlight some of these things. Um, the first is through the School of Engineering. They host these courses that start with ENGR. And they're actually open to the whole school, um, but just geared towards engineers, I guess, because they're hosted in that school, but they're relevant to everyone. So the first quarter of my first year, I signed up for one of those courses. It was called Product Opportunity Assessment, I think. And I ended up like taking at least one of those every quarter. There's like one unit, just a few weeks out of the quarter. And in a social entrepreneurship course, I met this girl named Taylor. She was involved with ACMW, which is the Association for Computer Machinery Women's Division. So <laughs> it's, it's a long name, but basically women in computing. And um, I was a sophomore at the time. She was a senior, super cool. I looked up to her. She was a double engineering major. So it was always like, how does she do it? And pretty well known. And she actually recruited me and a few juniors for this program called University Innovation Fellows that happens through Stanford's D school or their design school. That program super cool. They bring together probably like hundreds of students from around the world. And the purpose is to enhance entrepreneurship and interdisciplinary projects at your campus. That's sort of like the prompt. Um, so that, that taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and made me think a lot more about SCU in particular and how we can improve things there. And eventually the School of Engineering created the Technical Innovation and Entrepreneurial Mindset Minor. So I, I signed up for that immediately, as you can imagine. And yeah, after that, that program ended and I signed up for the minor, I continued to take those classes. And there was one particular class that was geared towards, you know, having a really hands-on experience with entrepreneurship. And there were four of us in the class, that's including the professor, which made brainstorming very fun, actually. <laughs> I can imagine that. And <laughs> Our job was our job was to make our senior design project into a business. That was sort of like the prompt of the quarter. And are you familiar with the the Frugal Innovation Hub? No, yeah, I am. But for our listeners, please uh, walk us through what that is. Okay. Yes. So the Frugal Innovation Hub is basically this space where clients, like real world clients, come and they have some sort of problem, and uh, a, a variety of students across SCU actually help to fix these issues. My senior design project, our client was the Chamber of Tourism in the Galapagos Islands. And I, I'm just mentioning this because the purpose of the Frugal Hub is, is that it's not profitable. It is supposed to be sort of like work done for others. It's a social good. And so because of that, I, I asked if I could explore this different concept instead 
which I described to my professor as a Tinder for mentorship. And um, he let me do that. And so every class we would just like brainstorm this idea and I got like very good feedback. And that was sort of like in Opal's conceptualizing phase. Uh, and that was like pivotal to where I am today, I would say. Awesome, that's very helpful. Um, especially to the transition, as you mentioned, talking about Opal. Um, so as mentioned, class of 2020, but also you are the CEO and founder of Opal. Um, and could you just briefly walk us through, I mean, because I, for one, have had the chance to learn a lot about um, your company leading up to our conversation. But could you just please just walk everyone through what Opal is, what Opal does, and maybe, as you mentioned, you kind of touch on this, but what was really that moment when you said, okay, let's try and turn this into a business, this idea into a company? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So. Like I kind of mentioned, Opal is like a Tinder for mentorship. It connects college students with mentors. And our overall mission is to empower students no matter where they are in the career search journey. I think there's a lot of pressure for students to figure it out when they're when they're 18 or when they're entering college. And that's just not a fair ask of a human. So we see sort of like three distinct phases in this journey uh, from a student's perspective. There are students who know their passions and they need help finding a major. There are students who need help aligning career options with a major. And then there are students who know exactly which career path they'd like to take. They just want to know the most efficient and effective way to get there. Um, so we, we respect students at all phases and want to help anyone out who needs it. I think everyone could use some help sometimes. So Opal, I would say, came from my own pain points, which I thought were my own at the time. I, I had imposter syndrome in that I thought I was the only one suffering and failing. So I have a very, I had a very niche major at SCU called web design and engineering. And I had a lot of great technical advisors to turn to, but not so much design. And when I realized I really wanted to pursue product design or UX design, I had no idea who to turn to. So then I turned to LinkedIn. Um, and honestly, it was most of the time met with silence, which was fair because LinkedIn, it's not really the place. I think it's getting better now, to be honest, now that things are virtual, but at the time, especially, it just wasn't the place to reach out to strangers. So I had this wish of, I wish there was a central place where connecting with strangers for mentorship was was normal. And then in addition to that, because I'm Filipina, I thought it'd be awesome to have like a woman Filipina UX designer. Like I could choose these preferences similar to a dating app. That's sort of how the concept of Opal came to be. And after that happened, the BVA prep school, so the Bronker Venture Accelerator Prep School, which is run through the Sioka Center, those applications came out and I <laughs> convinced, asked two of my friends to be my co-founders, their, name their names are Story and Shining, to, to join me in this journey and they did, which was lovely. And we decided to validate our idea through surveys and interviews with people who we thought were potential users of our app. And it's just the more people we talked to we felt a stronger sense of need for something like this. And it motivated us even more to, to get going as soon as possible on it. That's powerful. And really one point that I want to drive home is that you touched on, or the common theme was you found a problem where you wished this existed or you saw something that maybe wasn't already created. Um, so just tying this back also to students at Santa Clara, do you think that that's almost a necessity as an entrepreneur to be the person who's actually experiencing the problem that you're trying to solve? Or does it just help you in being a more efficient and effective entrepreneur? How would you probably um, look at that scenario? I think 
that it's definitely helpful for sure to have some firsthand experience with the pain point. And I think even when you're chatting with investors and things like that, it looks more appealing if if you are close to the problem, because there's just sort of an assumption that you have more motivation to solve it. That being said, I do think research can sometimes replace that. Even if you aren't experiencing it yourself, you have data to back it up that it really is a problem um, and and you need, to, you need to solve it. I think about this with social entrepreneurship in general, if you're trying to help maybe a financially disadvantaged region of the world or something like that, maybe those people, they don't have the resources to start their own business. But if you know enough and you've sort of proven in a way that you can help them and that there's a need there, then then I think that's helpful, even if you're not experiencing the pain point yourself. We were part of the BVA prep school. That was from February to May, I believe. And then now we're actually in the Bronco Venture Accelerator, so the, the actual BVA. And this is their second year doing it. It's very exciting and it has been extremely, extremely helpful to us. Every week we have homework and something due. Actually during BVA, we pitch to investors every week, uh, whether it's like one slide of our pitch deck or the whole thing. That's sort of our, our homework and the expectation of us as founders is that we're always, we're always ready to pitch. And so we get feedback on our pitches with the idea that by the end, which is actually in a few weeks, we will, <laughs> my mentor referred to it as like a American Idol audition almost, but we get like two minutes to pitch our business to a Zoom call full of investors. And then it's sort of up to them to learn more about us, view some like recordings about us and things like that, and then reach out to us if they're interested in hearing more. So it has been extremely helpful in terms of gaining knowledge in different pockets too. Obviously, I don't have a background in finance or even even some things on the business side. I've just, I've learned a lot. So if we get nothing more than the learning experience, then that alone has been essential for us. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's very helpful in terms of the access and resources that a lot of Santa Clara entrepreneurs building great businesses have through programs like this. And just to double click more on your business, Mariah, you maybe help us understand the go-to-market strategy for Opal. So looking at, at the short term, six to 12 months, what really is Opal trying to accomplish there? And then maybe take a longer term view on the business. So looking maybe five to 10 years down the road, I know it's pretty hard to do now, but if you can kind of envision what Opal will be like or the impact of Opal, um, what would that be to you? That's a great question. Uh, and I feel like as co-founders, we don't even reflect on this enough because we're so we're so focused on the like right now, but thinking about that long-term goal is super important too. I think in the short term, launching the app for sure is our next goal. And I think more than anything though, I want Opal to empower students who feel lost. That being said, I think it'll take a lot of work on our end to strategically introduce the app to the world. So to release Opal to the world and just be like, go at it would be maybe helpful to some, but not the greatest go-to-market strategy. Um, because to ensure a good experience in the app, we need to make sure that there's someone that that person can match with and that person makes sense. And so knowing that our go-to-market strategy, we plan to prioritize folks of underrepresented groups in their fields. There's there's a, so much power in seeing someone who looks like you in a role you aspire to be or you're even interested in. Knowing that that door is open for you to walk through, uh, that alone is very powerful. So that's sort of our our priority in you know, releasing the app correctly, strategically, and in a way that aligns with our values. Um, five years is a long time 
for a startup. Very long time. <laughs> I, I'd love to be working with students from more than maybe, I don't know, 300 community colleges, colleges, universities by then, hopefully more. We'll see. Um, and then <laughs> I guess I would love to have at least a million users in the app, which I know is a lot, but I, I looked this up recently and apparently Tinder has 50 million users. I'm convinced that more people need a mentor than, than a relationship. So I'm hopeful about 1 million. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely probably um, second that with you for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, but so for those interested, right, in Opal now, how can they learn more about it? Or, or is there any way that anyone can get involved with the platform now or maybe in, in the short term future? Yeah, good question. Um, you can go to our website. It's opal-app.org. And we're taking signups for user testing, beta tests. You can actually like get a sneak peek into the app even before it's launched. Um, and obviously, if anyone signs up for like a newsletter or is on our social media at all, then then they'll get updates in that way too. So I would I would visit our website if you want to learn more. Awesome, awesome. Um, so just to pivot and shift gears here to more on the entrepreneurial landscape on campus at Santa Clara. Um, just want to get your point of view. I know you've been involved in many different things, as you mentioned for us earlier, different clubs, different programs at Santa Clara um, in terms of entrepreneurship is concerned. Do you think that there's more work that needs to be done in terms of fostering this entrepreneurial mindset on campus, of course, with being in the heart of the valley, being around technology and startups and investors? Does Santa Clara need to do more? Does there need to be um, more programs? We need a stronger ecosystem. What is your take on the state of entrepreneurship or the entrepreneur mindset on campus at Santa Clara? Yes, great, great, great question. I think before I answer this, I'm going to put a few disclaimers that I know everything I'm about to say is easier said than done. Um, and I have a lot of respect for everyone that works at the Sioka Center, especially Chris Norris would not be where I am today without him. So I know they're working on a lot of things related to what I'm about to say, but I'll just answer on behalf of what I knew as a student and, and what I know now. So in one of my in one of my future chapters in life, I would love to start a higher ed institution where every student must participate in an interdisciplinary project with some like end of the year del deliverables being something like a prototype, a business plan and an investor pitch. Um, and any other essentials that we see fit. And I think most importantly, everyone on that team should be able to understand and deliver that pitch. And I'm bringing up this sort of like perfect world or what I what I would like to do in the future because um, during my time at SU, I think that I didn't have enough opportunities to have interdisciplinary interactions. This is like from students of other schools. So it's very school of engineering oriented um, in the most interdisciplinary way a project was, was because I was a designer and other people were, you know, focused on development. But we didn't work a lot with business students, marketing students, even artists, anyone. So I think increasing interdisciplinary projects at SU would be very, very beneficial. I think I'm a unique case in that when I entered, I made a very, very strong effort to gather like a breadth of knowledge in school, but I think it is also very easy at SU to silo into one major and just sort of stay there and not interact with anyone else because because you don't have to necessarily with the coursework and things that are offered right now. Again, this is just from my experiences. And 
I think that too much structure to projects and assignments can actually prevent students from innovating. And there's never really a sense of like next steps for a project or building on a project to do more with it. So at least in my experiences, in many cases, I would turn in a, in a project so that I could start the next thing. Not even that I was like particularly passionate about what I had finished or what I was about to start, but because I the next thing was due soon and I, I needed to do it. But I think that if prompts for assignments and projects were more open-ended and students were encouraged to build, write, create something that aligned with something they're passionate about, I think people would naturally realize their ability to innovate and therefore be entrepreneurial or at least have the mindset. So those are some immediate thoughts. And again, I want to touch on, you mentioned having the mindset. What is an entrepreneurial mindset and, you know, someone born with it, can they, can they find it? Do they obtain it? Um, you know, like what is an entrepreneurial mindset and like, what are the benefits of having one and does everyone have one? This is a, a great question that I feel pretty passionately about. I honestly think that you're either an entrepreneur or you just don't know you are one yet. I wouldn't say I am an entrepreneur because my mom was one or because I studied like the basic principles in, in college. Those things definitely opened the door for me. But, and they made entrepreneurship feel possible, which I think sometimes is half the battle, uh, honestly. It could be most of the battle for some people. But I think I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur because I'm in this constant mindset that the way we live and interact with everyday things and each other can always be improved. This is like, this is my day to day. I could be getting gas and thinking like, why isn't there a hand sanitizer pump at this gas station? Things like that. Um, I think about this every time I get gas, by the way, especially these days. Um, and improved could mean that things cost less, they're faster, they're more accessible, even like more fun as a way to improve something, anything. So once you convince yourself of that, that the scope of possibility is far beyond the world we live in right now, then at that point, I think it's all about writing everything down, every idea that comes to mind, which they will. And then once something you're particularly passionate about comes up, then just explore it and dive in and try it out. Um, and I think that this concept of trying things is that another huge blocker for people from realizing their entrepreneurship potential. I've, I've now become numb to this idea of failure because I, I'm always learning from a failure. And if you're always learning from a failure, then, then who exactly is failing in that situation? I, I don't know. So once you're numb to failure, or at least open to accepting the idea of it, I believe entrepreneurship becomes much more tangible. That's great. I love that. Either you're an entrepreneur or you don't know your one yet. I think, you know, really what you just mentioned about the entrepreneur mindset is important. Um, I think it's very key for people to take that away. And even you also mentioned just really going out and trying things, like taking the first step to go out and try and really do something. So many people have ideas right across the world, of course, here on campus. So what really is that process from going from the idea stage to the execution stage, right? So for example, I'm a Santa Clara student, have this great idea for the startup. Um, how do I scale? How do I go from this great idea to actually turning it into a business, business model, business plan, and then get it ready for launch? That's a great question. And I think the most important thing I can highlight here is, there's two things actually. <laughs> the first is speak it into existence because to the right people, to the right people, um, people who will not only you know, pretend that's a good idea, but give you genuine feedback. 
and possibly help you with the project too. I think that's always helpful. That's essentially how I found my co-founders was like the people who showed actual passion and wanted to brainstorm the idea. They, I, I, I noticed them. I noticed them. Um, and the second thing is to, to prototype immediately. I don't, I think this idea of prototyping sounds very scary, but if it's an app, like sketch something on paper or it, use styrofoam or, or cardboard boxes, maybe not styrofoam, something to like build some contraption and then test it on people that you think are your target market to get some immediate feedback. I think that most businesses and startups fail because they don't interact with the people that they're building for. And engineers or builders in general, I think, can easily fall into this pit of like, we're going we're gonna to build this thing because we think it's cool. And I'm sure that the rest of the world will enjoy it. But again, most businesses fail, which I hate to say, but it's true. And it's because they don't interact with users enough. It's a very strong point right there. You mentioned the interaction with the consumer, with the customer. I know you for Opal, you went straight to the source. So you really focused on how can we really access the consumer, really understand their pain points and know what they're looking for. So you touched on understanding them, surveying them. I think that's very helpful to understand. So, and now you have a business and you can take it from, you know, idea to the execution stage. What's the process of growing that business? Um, like, how do you take it from, okay, now I have, I have a business. Now, how do I grow the business, right? Is it raising capital? Is it going in and finding a co-founder? Like, what is the process of really scaling? And now you have a business. So how do you really take it off the ground? That's a very good question. And that's a hard one too, because similar to, to anything in life, I think we have this larger idea of what college will look like or starting a job, but it'll look different for, for everyone. Everyone has a different story here, but I think definitely always starting with an idea is helpful, validating that idea in sort of ways that I just discussed or look up some like user research, uh, different methods for that. Validate your idea in that way, surveys, interviews. And, and once you're like, all right, I'm ready to go, consider that if you're, if you're alone, consider the resources that you're missing so not everyone has all knowledge. And if you expect yourself to do it all, it'll just take longer to sort of bring the product into fruition. And so consider your gaps. And once you identify those gaps, consider the people that in your network that you trust, even to ask if they know someone to help out with something like that. I think that funding is obviously very important and startups can cost a lot uh, depending on what you're building. So figuring out ways to do that, there are actually a lot of like grants and things you can look up online. There are a lot of student specific grants right now for, for college students. And I unfortunately couldn't tell you like the name for one, but we, we're always looking up grants. So they definitely exist online if you need funding. But most of the time you need like a lot of good reason for, for funding. And if, if you're a current student, um, then I would probably just consider like who, which professors or someone that you can use as advisors I think advisors and mentors are actually super important in sort of progressing things forward. We might spend three months on something that an advisor would have told me in one meeting to avoid. So consider, you know, the knowledge gaps and what you're missing out on. Um, you'll likely need someone building something. You'll likely need someone to help with sort of product strategy. But just so you know, you as the, the CEO or like the the first employee, I guess, you're expected to make those first few sales and chat with investors and things like that. So don't consider those as, as necessarily gaps. 
those those shouldn't be considered gaps. That's sort of your your job. And especially with the first few customers, you should be the face of those transactions. But yeah, in terms of getting investors and things like that, I won't say that that's, that's a bad idea, but investors can be extremely helpful in just giving business advice, advice in general too. But uh, the more investors you have, the more people have like a say in your company. So it's all about how much you want to give away essentially when it comes to investments. But <laughs> I don't know if I really laid out a clear path just now. Those are just a few things I would start with. No, honestly, that was great because you really helped touch on key starting points, right? That every entrepreneur should keep in mind when they are looking to grow that business plan or business model that they had laid out for themselves. So I think that was perfect, really helping us understand what that process truly looks like. And one final point I want to touch on, Mariah, you've been fantastic. Um, I really can speak on behalf of all of our listeners that you've given a lot of great tips and advice and really thank you for that. Um, and one key takeaway I have, which I want everyone to really focus on, is you mentioned that either you're an entrepreneur or you don't know that you're one yet. So for those who maybe aren't that interested in the startup ecosystem or creating the next great tech business, what are other ways you can foster entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial mindset? And what advice, lasting advice, would you give to all of us um, who are interested in this space as a whole? That's that's a good question. I feel like a a bunch of big companies now didn't necessarily think that they were going to be where they are today. They started off as some idea that ideally the founders were were passionate about. And so you never know what, what trying can bring you one day, what trying or making connections or just building off an idea can bring you. But in terms of sort of any, any last advice in general, there are resources on campus. A few of the ones that I mentioned, please visit this yoga center. Chris Norris, the director is is incredible. I, I wouldn't, Opal wouldn't be where it is today without his advice. Um, kind of like what I mentioned before, validate your idea. Lots of people can relate to a specific issue as an individual or maybe as a group of friends, but surveying and interviewing people ensures that your business is something people would actually need or want and use. I kind of alluded to this before, but understand the cost, literally the monetary costs to start a business or even prototype. Sometimes they're upfront fees if you're if you're building a lot of things, so consider that. But also the cost of, of time and the cost of potentially dropping things in your life, which I feel like is not, not a great thing to hear, but it takes a lot of time to start a company or, or start a, a new anything. And so I used to be pretty notorious for signing up for too many things, but I feel so like a, a greater sense of pressure and motivation to focus on Opal as a company, if I want to see that mission fulfilled one day. So for that reason, other things in my life had to be deprioritized essentially. And that's, that is okay. It's kind of part of the, the process. If you're really passionate about the entrepreneurship related project or even passion project that you're focused on. And the last thing I want to highlight, if you leave with anything is just try, especially as a student, the worst case is that the business fails. And again, if you view each failure as as a learning opportunity, then you might be motivated enough to try again with a different idea. Powerful. Very, very powerful and helpful. Um, right. Again, right. Amazing points, amazing tips. So just thank you so much. Um, you really helped me and I know all the listeners really understand a lot more about what entrepreneurship really truly means. But before we, we part, there are a couple questions we love to ask um, everyone. So if you could maybe envision a world where we're back to normal, whatever that is, or that may be, 
what would your ideal Saturday look like? That's an interesting question. I like to get out of town. Growing up in the South Bay, I love going to either the city or the beach and just just relaxing. Saturdays, coincidentally, are my my days off. <laughs> I don't have any meetings or anything like that. So just relaxing, having having me time. I usually like to say like the start and end of my day are for me and everything in the middle is for the rest of the world. But uh, Saturdays are just for me. So hopefully I'll be relaxing. <laughs> I love that. I'm probably going to have to take that from you. I like the beginning and end of the days for me in the middle for everyone else. That's perfect. Everyone listening needs to write that down, too. It's definitely going to be like my new model on my whiteboard in my room. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, that's yes. very helpful. Um, and then one last one is, if you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, my gosh. I think I must say Ruth. Ruth Bader Ginsburg at this point. There's so many iconic women that I've I've looked up to, but... Um, yeah, for now, I would say her. If I could have <laughs> more women role models I've looked up to at that table, I, I would appreciate that too. But if I had to choose one, I think it would be her. Fantastic, fantastic choice. Um, well, Mariah, that will conclude our conversation for today. Um, but again, it was great to speak with you. We're so grateful that you offered to come on and you would be the first on this series of talking to some great entrepreneurs that have came from Santa Clara. And really gave us a lot of key takeaways and, you know, things to put into action if we are interested in this entrepreneurial ecosystem and getting involved in this space. And of course, we want to always double click on the entrepreneurial mindset and what it means to be an entrepreneur, not just, you know, involved in the technology or startup um, atmosphere. So thank you again. It was great to have you on and um, we wish you all the best with Opal and all your plans going forward. Thank you for having me.